Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and uh, it's a real rainy day today. It's kind of an interesting day here. It kind of looks like we're getting close to Thanksgiving. By the way, I do want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I want you to know that next week I will not be able to put out a podcast, and so if you don't get one, it's because there wasn't one put out. I have a meeting with a lot of family members, and we're going to celebrate my 81st birthday, plus we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. So there won't be a podcast next week, but we'll get back into the schedule the week after. Also, I'll be preaching tomorrow at the First Baptist Church here in Holbrook. I'm going to be talking about the first Thanksgiving, and I would invite you to come. It's going to be a interesting thing because we're going to look at a little bit of history we're going to talk about the high adventure on the high seas anyhow if you can come that would be wonderful service starts at uh, 11 o'clock uh, four high school boys were late for school and they told their teacher they were late because they had a flat tire teacher smiled and said it was too bad that they were late because they missed a test that morning but she let them make it up she gave them each a piece of paper and a pencil and sent them to four corners of the room. She told them they'd pass if they'd answer just one question. Which tire was flat? You know, you, you need to learn to do right, always do right. It's always right to do right. Most people think morality is on a sliding scale. What you do depends on your circumstances or where you are or what's happening and who you're with. Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Daniel and his friends wanted to do right no matter where they were, so they wouldn't touch the king's meat. Daniel 1.1-16 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Aspenas, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving the king's court. And he ordered them to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and, and food from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. When the commander of the officials assigned the new names to them, and to Daniel he signed the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, 
I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the faces who of your own age? Uh, then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servant according to, uh, the, according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. You know, most people say, well, what would it have hurt to eat the king's food? Nobody would have known. They were away from home. Everybody else was eating the food. Nobody was going to tell their parents about it. They were expected to eat the food too, you know. Most people say, don't make waves. The, the food looked good, and they'd get along better if they cooperated. It would have been the easiest way and a lot less embarrassing for them. Listen, Satan always makes sin look good. Satan wants to cheat you. He's not your friend. He always offers you what he knows you want. Don't accept anything he offers you because any deal you make with Satan is a bad deal. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. You know, I used to use this uh, st kind of story here thing when I was working with uh, children's camps and stuff. And I, I had one thing that I would do. I would bring out a bunch of beans and, and uh, you know, I'd say nobody wants beans. Then I'd have Hershey's Kisses wrapped up. I had put some beans in the kisses. And I would stand there and I would unwrap one of the Hershey's Chocolate Kisses and usually had somebody up there with me. And we would eat a, ki a chocolate kiss and say, oh, doesn't that taste good? That's scrumptious. And then we'd say to the kids, do you want any of this candy? And they'd holler, yes. And we would take the beans that we had wrapped in the uh, candy wrappers and throw them out. You should have seen the way the kids looked when they thought they were getting chocolate and end up getting the lima bean. It was hilarious. You know, anytime you, the, the, the idea was you, 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 can't trust Satan because he's going to cheat you. Anytime you choose Satan's way over God's way, you've made a bad deal. God's ways are best, and so I will tell you, do right no matter what. Temptations are going to come to you all of your life. They come to all Christians. Don't feel bad because, uh, you know, you're being tempted because Satan's trying to challenge you. It, maybe you ought to feel bad if you're not tempted. Satan wants to defeat you. He'll do everything he can to destroy your Christian faith because he is not your friend. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, Be sober, spirit, be on the alert. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. You can overcome temptation if you want to. The strength of the temptation is in you. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians 10:13 says, No temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The way to escape temptation is to go God's way, and you must choose it. I remember one time when I was hunting elk up in the Blue Mountains above Walla Walla, Washington, and I, I remember that there was an elk. I heard him come running towards me, and I got down behind a bush, and I was ready to go, and I, I wanted to be ready, and so I clicked the safety off on my gun, and it went click seemed to echo all over the whole mountain and uh, the elk heard that and he turned around and ran the other way now he could have wanted to see what that click was you know just just want to see what was going on if he had come closer i'd have probably had elk meat for all that winter but you know he could have justified said i just want to see you know what is going on and it's like people that you watch some kind of thing on the internet or TV and they know they should turn it off, but they say, oh, I just want to see how bad it's going to get. You know, Satan is constantly bombarding us with temptation. It's kind of like around the country here, we've got all these radio towers that are putting out all different uh, signals and stuff. And if I'm listening to the radio and I get one program I don't like because the airwaves are bringing that, all I have to do is change the station and go to another station and find something I do like. Satan is constantly flooding you with thoughts and ideas and temptations, but you can change the station. God also has his station. You know, uh, it's so important that we learn that when we begin to realize that Satan's working on us, we change the station. People say, well, how do you do that? Well, quote scripture, uh, testify to Satan, tell him what Jesus has done for you, sing a hymn. There's all kinds of ways that you can, you can uh, avoid listening to what Satan has to offer. Back to the thought of beans and candy, when I was working in the camps, I would take a kid and I would put a bowl on his head. He would hold it, and then I would have somebody play the part of Jesus, and I'd play the part of Satan, and the person with Jesus would throw a real Hershey's kiss in the bowl, and the kid would savor it. He would feel it and savor it. I would throw a bean, and the idea was he didn't want the bean. He'd throw it away. And that's what we need to do. We need to sort our thoughts out. We need to sort the things out that come. And we need to pick the best and throw the worst away. If we put the temptation out of our mind, we'll be okay. It's when we play with the temptation that we get into trouble. Let me tell you this. Temptation is not a sin. It becomes sin when we decide to yield to the temptation. I mean, Satan comes and asks, will you? And if I say, no, I have not sinned, it becomes sin when I say, I will, whether I follow through or not. I wanted to. You know, there used to be a television program called Hee Haw. 
Doc Campbell had a patient who said he broke his arm in two places, and Doc replied, well, stay out of them places. And that's good advice. You can't expose yourself to temptation on purpose and not be affected. Successful Christians take the doctor's advice and stay out of them places. As long as you live, you'll be tempted. Learn how to deal with it. Mark Twain said, you can't stop the crows from flying over your head, but you don't have to let them nest in your hair. It's funny, I always thought my grandma said that. She told me that when I was little. I guess she was just quoting Mark Twain. Mom told me to stay away from a chocolate cake one day that she had baked, and it was for some kind of special purpose, but I, I thought, you know, about fifth grade, and it was such a temptation, and I thought, well, you know, she's not going to know. It, it had, one piece had been taken out, and so I just thought it won't hurt to go in and slice just a real thin little piece, and so I sliced a piece of that cake, but it was crooked, so I tried to straighten it out. It was crooked again. And as it turned out, I ate more of the cake than I thought I should, or thought I would, and I know what I should. Mom found out about it, and I was in a lot of trouble. I would have been out of trouble if I'd have just left the cake alone. That's what some of you do. You remember the fake candy? If you listen to Satan, you're always going to lose. Leave Satan's traps alone. Don't see how close you can get without sinning. I, I uh, as a kid, we we had a game. I had a pocket knife. Some of the other kids did. We played a game we called cut the pie. And what it was, you put a big circle around and you stood in it, and then you'd throw your your knife down, and, and you would see how close you could come to, uh, you know, the pie. You you'd section it off, and you'd try to get more pie than the kid that was playing there with you. I remember I tried to see how close I could come to my toe, and I shoved the knife right through my toe. That was not smart. So it's kind of like temptation. You don't see how close you can come because that's not smart. James 4, 7, and 8 says, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hear what it said? Resist the devil. What does that mean? Well, back to the thought that I had when I was in camp. I would always have the kids, you know, uh, try to tell them something. I would hide a squirt gun now, and I would pretend that the devil, the guy that was going to come up and put something in the bowl of my head, put a bean in there, I'd let him come close. All of a sudden, I'd turn around, pull the squirt gun out, and just douse him. The kids loved it, and that was resisting the devil. You know, I just would tell them, you don't put up with what Satan has. You get rid of him. A wealthy young man lived in a huge house with dozens of rooms, and each room seemed more beautiful than the one before it. Paintings, sculptures, crystal, chandeliers, golden uh, instruments, all kinds of things. One day he invited Jesus to stay with him. When Jesus arrived, the man gave him the best room in the house. This is your room, Jesus. Stay as long as you like. Do whatever you want in this room. Remember, Jesus, it's all yours. That evening after he'd gone to bed, there was loud knocking at the front door. 
The young man put on his robe and, and went downstairs. He opened the door and found Satan and had sent three demons to attack him. He tried to close the door, but one demon kept sticking his foot in the way. After much struggle, he managed to slam the door shut and get back to his room. He was exhausted. Can you believe that, he thought? Jesus is upstairs in my best room sleeping while I'm down here battling demons. Maybe he just didn't hear. He didn't sleep the rest of that night. Things seemed normal the next day, but he was so tired that he went to bed early. At midnight, he heard a terrible ruckus at the front door. He thought it would tear the door down. He stumbled out and opened the door, and dozens of demons this time were trying to get in. For three hours, he struggled against the demons and finally managed to shut the door. He was really exhausted this time. He wondered, why doesn't Jesus come down to my rescue? Why does he let me fight all this by myself? I feel so alone. He collapsed on the sofa and had a restless sleep. The next morning, he asked Jesus, Jesus, I don't understand what's happening. For two nights, I've had to fight demons away from my door while you laid sleeping. Don't you care about me? Didn't I give you the best room in the house? I thought when I invited you to live with me, you'd take care of me. I gave you the best room and everything. What more can I do? Jesus said, I do love you. I protect everything you've given me, but when you asked me to stay, you brought me to one room and you shut the door and to the rest of the house. I'm Lord of the room, but I'm not master of your house. I protected that room and no demon may enter there. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Take my entire house. It's yours. I'm sorry I didn't offer you all to begin with. I want you to control everything. Please forgive me, Lord, for being so selfish. Well, Jesus smiled and said he'd already forgiven him, and he'd taken care of things from now. He would take care of things from now on. That night, the man went to bed thinking, I wonder if those demons will return. I'm so tired of fighting them every night. No worry, Jesus said. He'd take care of those from now on. About midnight, the banging on the door began again, and it was frightening. The young man peeked out and saw Jesus going to the door. Jesus opened the door. Satan stood there demanding to be let in. What do you want, Satan? Jesus asked. The devil bowed low when he saw Jesus. Sorry, I have the wrong address. He and his demons ran away. The moral is that Jesus wants all of you, not just part of you. He'll take all that you give him, but nothing more. How much of your heart have you given to Jesus Christ? Are you holding back? Do you want to do your own thing and not God's thing? I mean, you know, uh, you, you need to turn everything in your life over to Jesus Christ if you want victory. Perhaps the attacks are coming more and more each day. Let Jesus fight the battles for you. He's always victorious. It's kind of like the story of the three billy goats gruff. They were on one side of the, the little stream. There was a bridge across. A troll lived under the stream. They had eaten the grass on the, in the pasture where they were. They looked across the bridge, and it looked so inviting because there was all those tufts of green grass and things, and they wanted to go across. 
And so the three billy goats gruff said, well, we're going to go. The little billy goat gruff went first, and he goes up on the bridge, clip, clop, clip, clop, and the troll jumps out, says, who's crossing my bridge? The little billy goat said, it's me, the little billy goat. He says, well, I here I come, I'm going to eat you up. The little goat says, don't do that. Won't you wait for my brother? My brother's big and fat. And so the troll looked, and he decided that probably there wasn't much eat, to eat on this scrawny little goat. And so he said, okay, I'll wait. And he let him go on to the green pasture. The second goat, the middle goat, started across, clomp, 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 clomp. And the troll jumped out, who's crossing my bridge? And the little goat, or the middle goat said, it's me, I'm crossing your bridge. And the troll said, well, middle goat, here I come, I'm going to eat you up. He said, oh, please don't do that. He says, why don't you wait for my brother? My brother's bigger and he's fat and he'll make a better meal. And so the, the troll looked over there and saw the big billy goat gruff. And he said, all right, I'll wait. And so he said, go ahead to the pasture. And they went across. Here comes the big billy goat gruff. Boom, boom, boom on the bridge. And uh, the troll jumps out and says, who's crossing my bridge? The big billy goat gruff says, I'm crossing your bridge. And the troll says, well, here I come. I'm going to eat you up. And the big goat said, come ahead. And the troll got up on the bridge and the goat butted him and knocked him down in the stream. And, and that was the end of the story. The troll went, or I mean, the goat went on over to the other pasture. And, and the thing about that story I want you to know is we've got a bigger brother. His name's Jesus Christ. And when Satan comes and challenges us, we can say, won't you wait for my brother? He's coming. And Jesus Christ can take care of anything Satan has to throw at us. Satan's temptations cannot defeat you when Jesus owns you 100%. Back to the original thought, do right, always do right. Give your heart to the Lord and let him take care of you. Don't play with temptation, you only get hurt. Any deal you make with the devil's a bad deal. Remember, Satan is a liar. And what he offers you always cheats you and ends in death. Now, you know, it, it's like when you're out fishing and you put a worm on a hook. The, the fish might come and, and, and bite the worm, but the hook is in there too. There's a hook in every bait that Satan throws at you. Do right. Always do right. God will reward you for doing right. God prospered Daniel and his friends and gave them favor with the king. They were favored way beyond any of the compromising friends. You know, God will bless you too if you honor him. Shall we pray? Dear Jesus, I pray that you'll help each one of us to draw close to you, that we will honor you in our lives. We will not hold anything back, but we'll give you entire control of us completely. And if there's somebody that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, why don't you just confess your sins to him, ask him to be your Savior today? Lord, we just pray for that person that he will find victory in Jesus' name. Amen. You know how to get a hold of me. Uh, Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. Or my phone number 623-845-2741, which will take either a text or you can call. 
And uh, the email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Don't forget, there will not be a podcast next week. I do want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. We'll talk to you again in two weeks.